0: According to the American Psychological Association, 40 to 50% of American marriages will end in divorce. And for those couples who make a second go-around going down the aisle, they'll be in divorce court at a 60% clip. So what's the key to stemming the tide and making sure that these unions are long-lasting, sustainable, vibrant, and productive for those answers I turn to Juan Santos he's a licensed marriage counselor and leads his own counseling firm known as Santos counseling and he says the key to any successful marriage and maintaining a spark is constant constructive and meaningful communications. His practice specializes in helping distant couples, struggling parents, and everything in between when it comes to coming up with answers to solve problems in a marriage and in life. He joined me this week to help put the puzzle pieces of marriage back together for some struggling and distant Couples, I'm Kevin McChan. Let's have this conversation. take a few minutes to welcome you to the program. Always great to see you. uh, And I'm excited to uh, talk about relationships. Thanks so much for being here this afternoon.
1: Absolutely. You know, relationships is a, I always find it as a a very warm topic because we have relationships with with everyone, with our partner, our friend, our neighbor. We're always building relationships.
0: Absolutely. And when we look at building relationships, a sustainable a romantic relationships. So I'm wondering uh, if I can start you off by asking, what do you think the key is to maintaining viability in a relationship? Say, if uh, another partner has uh, been unfaithful, and what what's the key to getting the trust back, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. Um, you know, it'd be nice if there was a very clear answer. Uh, but, but but there's not. Instead is more of a, a journey, a pathway, when there has been a sense of betrayal within a relationship, when you know that level of faithfulness has been hurt. What takes place is that, you know, the life that you the life that you have, that reality, it, it becomes very foreign. It's like sitting on a rug and someone pulls the rug from underneath you. You know, you fall flat on your ass and you know, you take, you take a big hit and with that comes, you know, a a big wave like a tsunami. And with that wave, there's an emotional toll, there's pain, there's hurt. And, and you're trying to, you know, at the end of the day rekindle and build this relationship with your partner. You're trying to build trust. So with that, it takes time. It takes healing. Uh, It takes recovery. A great place to start is with giving yourself space to heal to recover to engage in self-care and then to work within the relationship on vulnerability work vulnerability is when you know you're honest you put everything on the table and you say here's what it is and and let's find a constructive way to work through it
0: and uh, tell me what uh do you believe is the most uh common Mistakes or roadblocks that couples face in the 21st century these days?
1: Mm, That's a good question. (laughs) The most common one. Um, And and I'm sure there's such a good list out there. I think one that I notice, as far as like the work that I do as a coach for couples, is entering a relationship when we still have certain parts of us that need work and we're not willing to accept that. And then we bring that into the relationship and it creates hurt. An example of that would be if I have a history, right? I dated somebody in the past and they betrayed me. So now I'm really struggling with trust. And I decide to jump into a new relationship. And every time that my partner pulls up her phone, just to look at Instagram, you know, just to look at social media, nothing wrong with that. My mind goes right back to the past. My mind goes, you know, she's probably cheating. She's probably hurting. She's probably doing something she shouldn't be doing. When in reality, none of that is taking place. So, what's happening is that I'm entering the relationship with those past wounds, with that baggage, as you will, but I'm also projecting that and throwing that onto my partner. And maybe I go even as far as accusing her. And then now we've got an issue, right? Because she's like, well, I haven't done shit, but I've got. I've got this history, right? This trauma, if you will, that I'm bringing into the relationship. And it could lead things to go in the wrong direction.
0: And tell me, what do you think is the key for couples that may be having issues and want to bring them up for discussions, but don't know how to break the ice? What would you tell that couple?
1: Yeah. it's another good question. Um, I I think what's helpful is kind of going back to, I don't know if you ever done like a conference or a workshop, you know, you go into these workshops and there's a, some sort of leader there and the leader will take out a big white poster board uh, paper. Right. And then they talk about the ground rules. So with couples, what I encourage them to do is to first discuss what are the rules? for you and I to have before we go into a conversation. As an example, we're gonna respect each other. We're not gonna use profanity and curse each other out. I'm not gonna leave the room. I'm not gonna use the middle finger, right? So I put these rules into play so that we can have a constructive conversation. And that's no different than something as simple as sports, right? You don't just show up to soccer without knowing the rules. You know, imagine that you go to a soccer game and you have no idea what the rules are. You're going to get lost and things are going to go in the wrong direction. So it's really important for us to structure, whether it's on a sports field, in your job, you've got rules. Same thing for a relationship. You know, let, let's create a foundation before we start communicating.
0: And any uh, good uh, relationship relies on uh, communication. So tell uh, what do you think is the key to uh, good tenants to a, a go, uh, good conversation as it relates to a marriage?
1: I think it's important for us to go through a, a process of getting to know each other as we are building communication. Uh, an, an example of this would be I use myself um, just so we're exposing some vulnerability here. Um, part of my identity, who I am. Is that whenever I'm in conversations, I like for things to be solved right away. So if there's a problem in my relationship, I want to deal with it now. And my wife, she's very different. If there's an issue or problem, she wants to take a little more time. So what's happening is that we're sharing our differences. And if I'm pushy, right? Or I'm an asshole and I go, Well, you need to talk about it now. I don't care that you want to take too long. That's going to cause some issues because I'm not seeing her for who she is. I'm not valuing, you know, her identity. So instead, of what we want to do is we want to A, get to know each other. How do we function? What are we comfortable with? And then we want to find a balance there, you know, respecting each other's side, and then go into step three, finding a constructive place to have that conversation. And then the last one is just as important as the others. At times in relationships when we want to have effective communication, we skip over when is an effective time sometimes couples i'll work with and you know she'll say he woke me up at two in the morning wanting to have a conversation and it's like no right we are trying to get our sleep at two in the morning or you know i'm at work and then i'm getting this text that's six pages long it's i get that we want to share whatever it may be that we want to share but when is that effective and constructive time
0: and i'm experienced is the best accelerant to the access of knowledge. So I ask Santos what his clients or any struggling couple can learn from seasoned veterans of marriage and those who exhibit positive examples of unity in marriage to get their own back on track.
1: Okay. I, I try I try to help them find a balance between respect and looking at what what each of them are searching for within a relationship Uh, and at least in my opinion i don't think that there is one definition of a healthy relationship you know there are couples that want to go on dates every single week there's other couples that will say you know i'm fine once a month and it's no damage to our relationship I think it's important, you know, when you're looking at your relationship, think about not what you see out there in society, but what's comfortable for you. You know, how do you, how do you find yourself on a Wednesday and you're able to say, I feel loved and I feel that I am loving my partner. So I think it's important to do that. And in the other area, it does have to do with respect. Now with respect, I like to break that down into finding time to be compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic showing kindness, valuing the other person, being vulnerable to show them who you are, being accountable for your actions, coaching one another to get from A to B.
0: And tell me, uh, when we we bring kids into a a relationship, how do you think it's important to separate the problems in a marriage to not affect the uh, kids in the household?
1: Yeah. So, you know, know, with that, I guess a very black and white obvious example would be if you have two parents, you know, in the living room and they're having an issue regarding finances, uh, it, it would not be productive for parents to engage in a heated conflict of yelling and screaming and curse words, you know, right back at each other while their children are present in that same room. Uh, so, so, so with that being said, and again, it's a very black and white example, hopefully, you know, people listening, and would say, okay, that makes sense. I'm not going to do that because what's happening is we want to be able to acknowledge that our, our kids pick up verbal and nonverbal language, just like we do. You know, if you see someone walking down the street and their head's down, more than likely your thoughts are maybe they're having a bad day. And if you see someone that their, their head's up, their their shoulders are up and they're smiling, more than likely your thoughts are they're having a good day. And, and these are more just verbal and nonverbal cues that we pick up. They're not always certain, uh, but they're cues that we pick up. So as parents, it's important for us to think about how do I want to behave in front of my child? You know, do I want to have a yelling battle with my partner in front of them? And then that becomes something that's ingrained in their mind and they see mom and dad doing that. And now they think, well, we're a family. And this is happening. So I guess it's okay for this to continue to happen. So again, it's really important for us to look at what patterns do I want to continue down the generational line? The healthy ones or the not so healthy ones? As a couple, couples can work at finding space. You know, Just like if you have a toothache, it wouldn't make any sense to just get on the kitchen counter and start giving yourself a dental procedure. You would call your dentist, schedule an appointment, You would go to the appropriate setting. So if things are getting hot and heavy in your relationship with conflict, of course, then be able to text your partner, say, hey, listen, we need to get a babysitter. And then we need to go have a couple's uh, therapy session. Or we need to go step outside and go for a walk and talk about what's taking place. Or let's get a sheet of paper and let's write to each other, you know, what the conflict is and find some sort of a way to constructively work through it.
0: And uh, as we're living through the pandemic, I'm wondering your thoughts on how to uh, still maintain a a productive marriage uh, through the COVID-19 period in which we're living.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting with this time of COVID, I've seen these two different sides take place. Uh, And in coaching couples, I've seen, and, and this is in the U.S. and outside the U.S., I've seen couples that would go in one direction and lots of conflict, lots of discord, you know, it's, it's from what I've, what I'm hearing, it's, it's almost like, you know, you're dating this person, you have your partner and you had all, all of these resources in life. You have the gym, your job, places you could go to, and then COVID shuts those down. So then now you are just present there with your partner. And maybe those years that you were using all those resources, there wasn't that constructive work taking place in your relationship. So then issues and problems that were already there, they were just hiding. They were hiding, but they were already there. And COVID kind of made those come to life. They pushed couples to say, hey, this problem was here. And now you two are home just about 24-7. So you got to work through it. And I think that became really challenging. Now, on the other end, on a whole different end, I saw something different take place. I saw couples find space to build compassion and appreciation I worked with a couple about a month and a half ago. And he shared with me that COVID has allowed him to find all those opportunities he was looking for to spend time with his partner. You know, before it was my job, my work demands, but now he was able to Work at home and then both of them be present there. So I really think it's dependent on our ability to react to what takes place in life.
0: And when we overcoming tragedy can be a traumatic experience for anyone. However, when you have to endure it as a collective unit, as a married couple, it can often put a strain on your relationship. Santos offers these words of wisdom to ensure that does not happen. Yeah.
1: I, I think with that term, there's a, there's a weight that comes with it: pain, hurt, uh, maybe suffering, uh, avoidance. You know, most of us wouldn't want to go in the direction of tragedy. Often, what I see that's helpful is compassion, whether it's self-compassion or compassion that we give to our partner being able to say, I'm, I'm here with you. During, during this you know, epidemic time, uh, there are uh, deaths taking place, there's individuals being ill, there's job loss. Uh, there's some sort of change, change either in a good way or in a way that's not so good. And, and with that, I think it's important for us to provide compassion to ourselves versus criticism. And then to be there for our partner, You know, to hold them when they need us to hold them and to be present and to be willing to sit and have those really tough conversations to let our partner know that we're not going to turn our back. You know, that we are here through the good, you know, the the good parts, as they say, and the ones that are uh, not so good.
0: And tell me, I'm curious to know what do you think is the key to maintaining a positive spark in a marriage?
1: And I think with that question, um, you know, it's set it's, of one key, maybe it's uh, a whole bundle of keys. I like to look at the, the spark within relationships as a puzzle. And I do puzzles with my kids. I have a four-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. And we'll sit down together doing these puzzles. And at times, you know, kids are sometimes they'll lose one of the pieces So we can't find it. And we get to the point where we have every piece except for one. So something's missing and is not complete. And a relationship is like that, where it's important for us to highlight each of each of these key pieces that allow a relationship to have spark, romance, connection. So the answer to your question, you know, I kind of went on a tangent there. I think it's important for us to maintain compassion, to continue to court each other, In the beginning of the relationships, before you date that person, you see them and you're attracted to them. You're willing to go out of your way to show them how much you want them, how much you desire them. That's that courtship process. We dictate that, right? You see someone you like and you consciously choose to go after them, to call them, to text them, to want to be with them every single moment of every day. And then something happens in a relationship where maybe you find yourself getting a little too relaxed. So that's where I think it's important for us as individuals to be accountable and to say, I need to show up, I need to wake up tomorrow and remain committed to engage in purposeful actions that allow my partner to know that I want them, that I desire them, that they are a priority in my life and so forth.
0: And I'm curious uh, to get your opinion on, if a couple is on the brink of a divorce, but they're committed to saving their marriage. How would you uh, help them uh, try to work through their uh, problems to save uh, their union?
1: You know, with that question, there's so many directions we can go in, you know, because with that couple, there could be an ample, you know, just, just variants and reasons of why they're at the brink of divorce. Uh, what I have found helpful is for, for us to look at, you know, if, you're, if you find yourself in that moment where you're in the relationship and you're at the brink of divorce, think about the big picture idea. You know, do you see yourself with your partner in some sort of way, you know, romantically through the relationship down the road, five, 10 years down the road, in that rocking chair, you know, at the beach, in the mountains, you see yourself with your partner. And I get that right now in the moment, Right. Shit's going in the wrong direction. So the answer right now will be no. But if things changed, if there was some sort of transformation, then you you, you may you may see yourself, you know, down the road with your partner. Having that idea of the end in mind allows us to remain committed and consistent. I think that's important. The other area to look at is the birth of relationships. Typically, when a couple begins their relationship, they are guessing. On what to do. They're either copying or imitating what mom and dad or their guardians, their parents did. They're copying or imitating what they see on social media, on TV, maybe some books that they read, friends that they have. And and there's probably more than likely some wounds within each individual, traumas that they went through, maybe a struggle to build vulnerability, accountability, And and all of these factors influence how we function within the relationship. It's why, you know, we see such a huge, a high number in the U S the divorce rate here is over 50% for first time marriages and second time marriages is even higher. So you have to kind of ask yourself, why do we have such a high divorce rate? And, And I think from my understanding, doing research, working with couples, it's how we begin those relationships. So if you find yourself at the brink of divorce, Take, a, take, a, take some time to really think about what does 10 years look like down the road and then acknowledge that from both ends, you know, maybe from both ends, there has been some accountability that can take place. You know, maybe I've messed up here, or they've messed up there. So then together we can find a way to remove negative behaviors, negative patterns, negative habits, replace them with constructive ones, healthy ones, and then build you know, I, I, our ideal relationship out.
0: And, and for you, what's the best part of your job in helping people uh, through their marriage difficulties and counseling them as well?
1: I like to, I like to get to know people, you know, that's uh, just like here, getting to know you, there's something really, uh, and the word that comes to mind is magical. I'm not sure why. Um, it, I, I like to see where you're at, hear where you're at, inter, inter, interact with you, um, see you grow, you know, see, the, see see you achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Uh, at times I get to hear, you know, really beautiful things from people where they share, you know, we want a great relationship so that our kids can, you know, do things a little bit better. And, and that's, you know, it's wonderful to hear, to be able to see that a couple's working so hard so that their kids find themselves in a much better situation so that they can wake up and be happier tomorrow or that, you know, people like you and I can look at them and say, you know, I wonder how they built such a great relationship. Maybe they could teach us something. And it really provides, you know, our environment, you know, whether it's a microsystem or on a macro level it provides us as really positive role models, you know, individuals that can create change and and we can follow, you know, that pattern.
0: And, uh, If you had one uh, parting message that uh, you wanted uh, someone to take away from this conversation who may be watching that, what uh, what would that be? Yeah,
1: I appreciate you giving me space for that. I think it's important for us to take time to love yourself. And whether that's self-care letting yourself sleep a little bit longer than usual, stopping yourself from having that bad thought that just sneaks up in there, giving yourself self-compassion. And then as you engage in that process of loving yourself, I'd like for you to think about the kind of person that you aspire to be, You know that every day you're working to become and give everyone around you, including yourself, that projection. So if mine is to be a kind and loving person, then that's what I'm going to project out to myself every single day and into those around me.
0: And I know for you personally, you're originally from the Dominican Republic, and I'm curious to know how your heritage may have affected the person you are today. And then outside of work, what what do you like to do for fun?
1: Yeah, good questions. Uh, so, yeah, I am from the Dominican Republic, which is a border with Haiti. And I came to the U.S. in 96, 97, right around there. I was, I was almost seven years old. Um, and then Heritage has uh, tremendously influenced who I am today. Uh, I think just, just like most individuals, you know, the my lens of life are influenced through, you know, years of experiencing poverty, uh, migrating to the U.S., um witnessing the opportunities you know that are provided here in this uh nation and and i I try to bring that you know whenever i'm I'm working with couples working with individuals so that as i'm getting to know them they're getting to know me uh you know with with that question uh, obviously it could go a lot more in depth uh, but i don't want to take too much time up here and then for fun for fun i'd like to be outdoors uh You know, whether it's hiking through mountains here in my area, I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina. So we've got like the Appalachian Mountains uh, and some other really good um, spots nearby. I like to fish a lot, uh, take the canoe out, spend time with the kids and and my wife and all of those occasions. I'm a big reader. uh, So if you have any book recommendations,
0: I'd be happy to hear those. Uh, You're very, uh, thanks for sharing that. And Juan, I want to uh, thank you for taking some time to join me this afternoon to have a conversation about love, connections, relationships, and emotions. Really enjoy our conversation. And I want to thank you for being here this afternoon. It's most appreciated.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Fantastic.